The following is brought to you by Braided Media. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Narratives of Purpose. My name is Claire Morigande. I am your host on this show. And my goal is to amplify social impact by bringing you inspiring individual stories of ordinary people who are making extraordinary social impact within their communities all around the world. So if you're looking for a program that showcases unique stories of change makers, stories of people who are contributing to make a difference in society, and at the same time, you want to get inspired to take action, then this podcast is definitely for you. This week, we continue our inclusion series with the second episode focusing on supporting parents of special needs children. My guest today is Irena Ferguson. Irena is a user experience designer. She is a writer and TEDx curator. Irena also founded My Good Life, which is a company that enables families of children with special needs to live their best life despite their circumstances. She likewise authored a memoir titled My Good Life. And in our discussion today, Irena shares her journey with what she termed, this isn't a normal life, it's a good life. Please take a moment to rate and to review our show on your preferred podcast listening app. But for now, have a listen to Irena's story on how she became a special needs advocate. So Irena, welcome to the show. It's a great pleasure to have you on. Great. Thank you so much. Great to um, be connected and just uh, share my story about good life and and also just um, hopefully inspire others as they go along their journey. So before we start our discussion, first things first, why don't you introduce yourself and share a few words of your background? What would you like our listeners to know about you? Um, well, my name is Irena Ferguson. I'm a wife and um, a mom and um, the founder of My Good Life, which is this platform for parents of children with special needs. And I look forward to sharing more about that. I also just shared actually on LinkedIn, um, the reel from my TEDx talk that I did a few years ago while I was eight months pregnant. So that was interesting. And from that, I decided to become a curator. Um, Currently, my role is as a Um, recruitment marketing intern for Udacity. And Udacity has been great because I had the opportunity to get a UX nano degree from Udacity and really start to build my tech career, which was really kind of the whole point of my content writing and things that have gelled together over the years. I've taken a path less traveled based on um, my background as being a mom of a special needs child. And so I look forward to sharing my story that hopefully can inspire others. So tell me about My Good Life. How did you start that and why did you start that? I got pregnant with my daughter at 20 and I was a sophomore in undergrad. And I immediately knew that I needed to go to college and to have still a career. Um, My mom, my parents had just moved away to Florida to retire. And here I was pregnant um, in the suburbs of Chicago, um, and with not a lot of other family. Um, so I I decided then 
you know, she was born, she was born deaf. And I knew she was deaf when we left the hospital, even though they didn't fully diagnose her until later. But as I'm walking out with um, her car seat, I just decided then that we would have a good life. Like I just decided it was something on the inside of me that it was just an easy decision that whatever that meant, it would it would have to happen and that I wouldn't necessarily look at the circumstances. And so the cool backstory is that I didn't grow up with this hard life. <laughs> I went to private school from K to 12. We lived in the suburbs. My sister was a page in Congress at a young age and went to Brown um, in Ivy League University. And so she really charted the path for me. So I knew I needed to continue on that path despite um, uh, what, what was happening in my life. So I did. I just decided I had to finish school and I had to raise this child. Well, fast forward 12 years, I um, completed three academic degrees, including one from Yale, while raising her. She was diagnosed with autism at the age of five. We moved to New York when she was like three or four. And I became a teacher, got my first master's at Boston College, and then my second at Yale. I knew that I had to make a good life for her. And so through that, I learned a lot about parents of children with special needs, a lot of the disparities, a lot of advocacy, a lot of um, I looked, I mean, honestly, you know, some there's some there's some genes and some melanin that helps me look young. <laughs> um, and so I looked a lot like I look now, like, you know, though it was 20 years ago. And I, I just I had to gain the respect at the table and I had to come informed and do my research and I had to advocate for her. And so when she was 12, um, just really like this time, 10 years ago, this guy from high school reached out to me on Facebook and um, he was a basketball player. I was a cheerleader and we started talking and fast forward, we have like three more children and everything. But it was in 2017 that my good life really gelled. I started a blog when I was at Yale called Good Life. I opened up a storefront in downtown New Haven and got press for a consulting pop-up that was called Good Life. And I wrote a blog for Chicago Now for years, um, even when I didn't live in Chicago, called Good Life. And so I had started the brand in a lot of ways and I had started to tell our story. But it wasn't until my husband was like, what is up with you and these bicycles? Like, I just see them everywhere, like from a brand perspective. So I decided to pull that together, create a logo um, just connect with the core of our mission. It was actually when we were doing a weekend away um, in downtown Dallas. We spent one year in Dallas. We moved around. And like I woke up and I heard these parents complaining about how their child wasn't included because of their special needs. And I was tired of it. I was tired of feeling like you know, sometimes that happens as people of color, we're constantly asking people for a seat at the table or asking. And I said, there are a lot of things about your life that are good. Let's focus on those. And so I launched Good Life and decided to have a company that helped give parents of children with special needs those great experiences that I had had over the years. And just the things that I put together that were good in our life, even based on the blog and my traveling and school and education and just the day to day of like if the if the grocery store owner or the grocery store cashier smiles at you, it's a good day. <laughs> if your child doesn't knock, you know, red sauce off the aisles, running down the aisles, it's a good day. What are those good things? Like, how can we concentrate on those? So that's how Good Life started. And it's a 501c3 that provides resources for parents and children with special needs and also a newsletter that comes out um, biweekly that helps parents with resources. 
I took a UX design um, certificate, a, a course, um, nano degree, sorry, through Udacity. And now I know how to build um, the, the wireframe for a product that's, that I really am working on to help connect parents. So that's the end goal, to have like a, like a digital product, like an actual app that connects parents with the resources that they need based on their zip code. Also therapy, um, food delivery, opportunities for their child. My daughter is now coming upon the age of 22 and I'm in a really interesting position now as I'm trying to help her mature. So um, that's good life in a nutshell. Wow, that's simply amazing. I mean, you know, just to hear about the fact that at a certain point you decided it's going to be a good life and since then it has been a good life. So really having this mindset is is so powerful and, and the way you also share your story, I mean, you feel that energy, right? And this is so beautiful to hear. So tell me exactly now, you said you have a newsletter and uh, you're you're working on having this digital product. Do you have... Any other offering right now? So apart from the newsletter, how do you connect with these families? So the cool thing, something really amazing happened uh, besides me getting pregnant with my fourth child in, in January of 2018. I realized I was pregnant at the end of 2017. And when 2018 hit, I said, I have to write a book and I have to uh, do a TEDx. And so that um, leads me to those two things that year that were life-changing. I needed to gel together, not just the mission, mission of good life and not just the website and the newsletter. Um, you know, I even connected with some um, investors and donors, like really trying to pitch for the funding for that. So I'm always looking for opportunities to engage corporate entities, which I'm completely open to on this mission. Right. But I knew I needed to tell our story and I knew I needed to actually connect to see what the parents want. And so first things first, I wrote a memoir called My Good Life, which you can find on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. It's only a hundred pages and it tells our story. It tells our story of the background of good life, just to even rally um, a community around it and to have it become a movement. So that's the first thing. The, um, the second thing is I did do a TEDx talk. And it's funny because I connected with Ted um, soon after my TEDx talk, because, you know, I can say this, the TEDx talk did not, the event did not go well. I actually got on stage and I was like eight months pregnant and the mic went out and it, it like, no one heard the latter part of my talk, but I kept talking. And when I got off, that everyone's eyes had tears in them because they were just like, what just happened? And the sound was going out. I, being who I am, being particular, hired my own videographers. So thankfully, uh, they were able to refilm my talk. So my videographer had been following me around from the previous night because here I am, eight months pregnant, giving a TEDx talk, the biggest day of my life, uh, besides my wedding day and the birth of my other children, was this day. And it could have been an epic fail. My mentor came from behind stage and she said, they have to let you do that over. And this also speaks to the fact that you need people to rally behind you. I can be sort of a cheerleader right now. Whatever you do, Claire, I can say, hey, I want you to excel. I want you to be on this particular radio station. I believe in you. I'm going to connect you. Spotify needs to sponsor you, right? I can really support you with that. I needed those people for me. And that's what they did. So during the intermission, I filmed it over. 
And that became the official, my official TEDx talk. So um, the reel is on, um, you know, YouTube. Actually, TED now, because I have a relationship with them, are going to actually upload my official talk to the YouTube station. And I have another link for my official talk. But it was great to still do have the opportunity. And um, fast forward, I became a curator because, um, because of that. Those are the offerings that I feel like I have best right now for parents and also people who want to get behind this movement. Check out the book. Let me know what you think about my story, how it resonates. Um, also, if you can read the first chapter is um, is on a, a, a blog called Matter Mia uh, for for moms, but also on L.A. Parent Magazine. So if you Google L.A. Parent Magazine, Irena Ferguson, you will be able to see the link to the first chapter of the book. And so I think that will tell a lot as I rally the community in terms of an offering. In terms of resources, I would love to hear from parents on what they need. What are their biggest pain points? Um, right now, I'm doing um, user research and, and background um, user experience research on the best ways that I can build a, a product that would be ideal for them. I'm also taking a product management um, degree through Udacity as well to make sure that I'm, I'm hands-on at every stage of the process as I'm hiring developers for it. That's really impressive. And, and I think it's, um, yeah, it's very role model-like, you know? Thank you. Thank you. That means a lot. So did you have also strong support from your family and your friends on all your endeavors? I did. I mean, there were times and seasons in my life naturally that, and I'm sure you can speak to this during the pandemic, um, that we all go through those seasons where we just are alone. There are some seasons that no one can be there for us. So the good news that I love about my mom is that she always said yes. She always said yes. And she, I could tell her the craziest idea. She was always living in Florida. I would only see her twice a year. Like I said, I just, because of the pandemic, I just saw her for the first time um, when she came to visit us a couple of weeks ago in two years. But we talked to her daily over the phone. And I remember going down to her house to visit her in this like resort, like retirement community for older people. And I would go down to visit her and I would sit at her desk, you know, right off the lanai. And I would have my daughter with me and I would say, oh, I think I want to go to Boston College next year. And she'd be like, yes, sounds good. And it would be done. Come back the next year. Well, they're telling me I need a more academic degree. Mm, I've, I've been teaching. I think I want to go to Yale. She said, OK. And so I did it. She will say yes. And she won't be negative, And she will say you can do it. And um, and like I said, I don't feel like. Like I constantly needed this validation and cheerleaders for her in every way, but I appreciated that she didn't say no. I appreciated that she listened, um, even to the things she may not have wanted to know, um, that she did not just put that negative seed of doubt um, and did not think of herself and her ego first. That is imperative for how we engage other people and how we think of how it will affect us. It's almost like the idea of getting over yourself every day. That's the thing that um, my family did for me the most. And my sister having that example of greatness was great. Being in Washington, D.C. as a 14-year-old and like seeing all of the things that she was doing gave me the rally point. So what you do, somebody will walk that path and they will go behind you and you'll be able to tell them the lessons and you'll be able to show them at least that it could be done. 
I just wanted to ask another thing about, you know, this whole journey, because everything seems pretty good when I hear you. But did you have like challenges where you thought I'm not going to make it right? And how did you go about those challenges? I mean, perhaps if you have one or two examples. One of the first challenges that comes to mind is, first of all, when I graduated from um, undergrad, I thought that I would get this job that was making, making at least 40 or 50,000 a year and live in the suburbs of Chicago and raise my daughter. I just kind of assumed that. And I I didn't have a special tie to Chicago because my mom wasn't there, though my dad lived in the suburbs, but I just kind of assumed that. And my first job was as a receptionist at a, advise, at a financial advising company. And I was making like $300 a week, um, which I could spend in a day, even back then. <laughs> wanted to on shopping and food and then the, the groceries. That, so I'm like, this is not going to work. And so that was a pivotal point for me to realize I needed to go look elsewhere. So I started applying for opportunities. So I applied to be a New York City, um, a, a Teach for America uh, person, like teaching in urban um, environments. And back then, Teach for America was just getting revved up. And fast forward, I didn't get it. And in the box on the corner, I saw NYC teaching fellows. Got that moved to, after graduation, moved to New York City with my special needs daughter and a one-way flight and my mom booking me a hotel for a week. And there I was in the middle of New York City. I woke up the next day terrified, um, so terrified that I couldn't move out the bed. I was like, what did I just do? And I had to pull out the scriptures that I had and just stand on this like yellow piece of paper of scriptures that I had gotten from my church back in um, Chicago called Living Word. And I just read them and I said, okay, I have to believe. So I made the phone calls of like, at that point I had printed out like a bunch of daycare places and I knew that my program was starting and we ended up in a one room studio. (laughs) And, um, and yeah, I mean, it was not easy. That was our summer in a one room studio in the heat of the summer in 2003. And it wasn't easy. But what I did was keep my environment small, keep my space safe, find one or two safe people, and only them. Um, I found a church in downtown Brooklyn, Brooklyn Tabernacle. I found one friend who was in the program with me, and I kept my head down and was able to just having to listen and listen to that still small voice. And that first summer there, we did not have a lot of money. I was running to rest in union like every two weeks. My mom was being very helpful. And one day I found myself going to the train. And this is the part of the story that um, resonated as soon as you asked me, like, have things been tough? And I did not have money to get on the train. I did not have a Metro card. And I remember walking with my daughter's stroller. I had a cheap banana stroller. And she was always too big for the stroller because of her special needs. But we were walking. And I said, I'm getting dressed and going to the train anyway. That though I had no money to get on the train and I needed to get to work. And I looked down and there was a Metro car, like no lie. And I picked it up as if it belonged to me and went to the machine and there was money on it. I think like a night, $4. And I knew then like completely trying not to cry right now that there would always be the next thing for me. There would be something, um, and that was it. That was how we lived that summer. You know, um, you know, that's how we got by. I have a friend who has a family now. She was also a teacher at that time. And we were both from Chicago. And, you know, 
the last story I will share in that regard to this question is um, one day I needed Pampers and she lived not too far. And she said, well, I have a bunch of change. She was like, let's see what we can do. I mean, we both were so happy when we would get like $20 from Western Union from our parents. We would split it and go to Wendy's or something. So I needed Pampers. Pampers at that time were like $5.99. So she counted them all up and we went and we turned them in at the thing. And literally I posted this on Facebook probably six or seven years ago. It was like 300 pennies. It was just enough for the Pampers. And her and I like tell that 300 penny story because here we both were together with nothing, (laughs) relying on like our faith, relying on the program and the money that they're giving out, relying on each other to be safe and stay supportive. And when school started, we have a $40,000 a year salary, right? That worked out well. But I say all that to say that there were plenty of hard times, but um, thankfully there were not times that I had to compromise um, my values um, and my safety for for things. I'm grateful for that. I was wondering about something as you, as you were talking, right? You talk about your daughter a lot and uh, the goal of your company is to help other families with also children with special needs. So what has been the impact that you've seen? You know, how have you contributed to them, you know, support better their children or at least have their children better included in within society? Definitely. I mean, I think just from the people that I've engaged with, I was able to help her friend, a friend with a nonprofit that talked about self-care for families. Um, I think the biggest thing has been giving the parents hope. You know, I want to be able to give them something even more tangible. I've had some giveaway events actually during the pandemic. I gave away bears. I bought like 20 or 30 bears um, from Build-A-Bear for families and gave them away just to show them like someone's thinking about you. Mask on, you know, in the middle like of this of the little um, area outside of the, the mall in the South Bay in L.A., like just caring for families, sent out a note, got to meet them and take photos and you know, and um, yeah, just really just giving the hope and that you're seen. So um, I also was hosting for a while and this is, it was interesting that I started doing this. It didn't hit off too well before the pandemic, but I got, I was consistent for six months. I fed the moms um, dinner and we would just come out to dinner um, once a month and connect. And they appreciated that. Like this, somebody was able to do that. Well, what I realized is that many of them don't have childcare and it was a no child dinner. Sometimes people brought their kids, but I honestly didn't want to trigger other moms. Moms of parents with special needs and dads are often just so exhausted and they just need to feel normal for a second. Like go to a movie, go out to dinner, um, go on a vacation. I'm big on overnights at hotels. And so my dream is to provide that from a philanthropic standpoint for parents and families, but also provide them the day-to-day tools and also like give them what they need, give them what their children need. And so I'm excited to get on with that, to get on with that mission um, of doing that for families. But yeah, in the immediate, I was able to do that. Um, free dinners, swag, um, just connecting to parents, um, giveaways. I, I really want to be able to give them what they need, but now I want to hear from them what they need. So, um, and hear what their what their most immediate pain points are. And what do they say to you when, when do they come to these these events? They say thank you. 
Oh yeah. They're, they're very gracious. Like, especially with dinner, sitting out to dinner and just hanging out and talking and being heard and having time away. Like they're so gracious. Um, when the check comes, they just, they just hate that. I'm just like paying like, no, you don't I say, no, I want it for you. You're be you're seen, you're heard, um, you're loved on. And I know that's what has been given to me in the past. Like just to, let's just eat. <laughs> let's just eat for now. We can figure it all out later. You know, it's so tough when people will insist on, um, even when you see someone in the street and what they need, like, do you need food? Do you need to eat? Are you hungry right now? Um, because that first and then second, like the resources or, you know, trying not to place judgment on what parents need. There are children dying all over the world and being abused in homes of children with special needs, not because their parents are bad people, just because they're overwhelmed. They're not seen, they're not heard, and they're waiting. They're waiting on something. They're waiting on um, that thing to pop and that someone to come knock on their door and save them. Um, my mentor who went to Yale with her special needs daughter who has severe special needs and wasn't expected to live past two years. Her daughter TT is now probably close to 30, maybe 28. And she's doing well. She's still getting her hair done. And my friend is still a single mom of her special needs child. And she's been doing this for years. She went to Yale College raised her in New Haven, but then moved on to go to seminary. And now um, she's an educator full time. And she has her daughter who loves coffee and is staying up at night and hanging out and doing her thing. She still is a mom to her all these years without not a lot of respite, with not a lot of support. And so there are thousands, you know, hundreds of thousands, millions even of families um, who are in that position. And so I think that is my call. And I thank you for the opportunity to even speak it and remind myself that's the call, right? That's the thing that my mission should really make sure that I'm, I'm embarking on long term. And if I may ask, what's the relationship like with your daughter, you know, all these years? Because you've shared with me throughout your journey, you've lived, you know, alone with her when you went to, to Yale, for instance. How, how is she today? And what's the relationship with her? Well, the relationship is good. She's still at home. Um, we're figuring out her next steps. Will she go to college? I have an interview with the college um, uh place tomorrow that has children with special needs. Um, what is her next step? What is going to give her her good life? Every time I veer from, how can I say, when I think that she's on this path, I mean, she's had great teachers along the way, great support. She did well with digital learning and online remote learning. She only did like an hour a day, but then she went in person a couple of hours. We've had great support in the school we were in in SoCal. Um, we actually relocated to um, Apex, North Carolina. So we're here um, now. We just relocated April 1st from California. So she's doing well in that, um, as are my other children. But it is an evolving process. There was a time where at some point as a parent of a special needs child, you just check out because you're such a caregiver. Like I still like help her with her girl stuff. Like You know, I'm still very much hands on and making sure she has um, just uh, the, you know, she's dressed and all of these things and her medication. She she developed epilepsy onset at 17. Um, she had two seizures a month ago um, uh, in two days in a row and just just advocating for her. But our relationship, I'm grateful, is good. Because that when she does have difficult times and um, she's expressing frustration, I just lean into her like I would a typical child. 
take a break, step back. How is she feeling? How, what must she want? What must she need? And I can say this, our relationship and the trajectory of my good life and how she is my good life. There have been times in the flesh where I'm like, should I just like have this break? Should I just like have her, you know, in a facility with other special needs adults? Or like, what is her calling? But the truth of the matter is there is no good life without Taylor. <laughs> and like, you know, the, in terms of just like what that is, she's so much a part of that uh, at every step of the way um, from Boston College to Yale to after to coming back to her, honoring her, um, educating her, taking her to her next level helps me build the right product and helps me get closer to that. That's all I ever wanted for her was a good life and a legacy and the opportunity for her to be taken care of for the rest of her life and the opportunity to um, really build the best life for her. So she's doing well. We actually just enrolled in um, a a challenge through um, Black Girls Code. And so I'm so proud of her because she's going to be a part of their challenge next week that's happening with IBM. And so we just showed up and they welcomed us and I'm grateful. So I get to differentiate instruction for her as a former educator and as a person who's in tech, I get to actually map out what she's learning so that she can understand it, so that she can add to it and do her part. And I'm so excited for her and I'm so grateful um, that she gets to do this. So we're doing well. I make sure to have to give her that time and not veer away from what the purpose was. Thank you so much for sharing. I'm really glad that I connected with you. And just having this story is so empowering and and, and so inspiring. And I don't know how you did it, but I'm glad you did it. And you're able to share that with all of us. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. It's been a journey, but I'm grateful to share my story. And sharing my story just reminds me. I encourage myself in the day-to-day when I hear the no's and when I have the tough days and when I feel like, why me? (laughs) You know, like when I feel like, you know, I want things to go a certain way and I want these open doors and um, that I have put in so much time and effort to building this life um, for her and for us. Um, And my husband is great. My children are awesome. Um, They come with the whole other host of responsibilities and it's not just us anymore. And so um, it is a full story that has evolved, but I'm grateful. Well, thank you so much, really, for sharing your story with me. And and I hope that our listeners will really be inspired by this and, and see all the, you know, the good things people are doing out there and, and also be able to follow the good life and support you. Um, before we move to the last part of the show, do you have anything that you would like to share with our listeners for them to take home from your story? I just say start where you are. You know, I think a lot of times um, we see people's end or we see a lot of things that people see that I even do is something that I've been working on for a long time, like years. I think nowadays everybody wants the microwave success, but the success that you build over time in your story, in your life, like take it a day at a time, no matter what it is and take a nap, grab something to eat, drink some water and start the next day. If the pandemic has taught us nothing else, it's that things can shut down and slow down. And we all are kind of on a level playing field now. Even as the world opened back back up, um, taking your time with all of it and not feeling this pressure 
to do things a certain way, um, listening to that still small voice. So I think the takeaway is starting where you are, like focus on your now, if it's a corner of your bedroom or if it's your your desk or um, your kitchen, whatever it is that you can organize and kind of reframe your thoughts and breathe um, and take care of yourself. I think that's the most important. All this other stuff will be here and I want you to be here too. Yeah, I, I really couldn't agree more. It's really some great advice. And you always have to start here and now, because I'm also convinced that you can only influence what's happening right now. And whatever comes next, you know, you'll be ready for it, right? So thank you. That's great advice. So at the end of my, my podcast, what I like to do, what I usually do is I, li I like to ask all my guests a little bit about what type of music they listen to, or what books they're reading. So I have these three short questions. Um, the first one is, are you listening to a specific song in, at this time? Or do you have a book that you're reading right now you can tell us about? I should be more of a music buff because my husband does music. I like to listen to whatever he's listening to. I bought him a record player a while ago. So he, a lot of times my kids will just, in order to like have fun with them or to relax or to bond as a family, we'll just break out and dance. And so sometimes he'll play some, you know, some cool jazz music for them. So now he's been playing this like this um, this music from the 90s in Chicago, which is what they call house music. So he'll like play house music for them and we'll just all be dancing around and playing. So he played some of that this morning. So that was fun, um, even though I don't have a whole lot of rhythm. <laughs> it's so crazy dealing with someone who does music. I just follow his lead. It's great. It's a great way to engage with him and follow his lead. So that's that. Um, books I'm reading. Um, there is a book um, that I'm reading called, um, I think it's called The Calling, Finding Your Calling, um, which has been really important for me. Um, and I'm also reading um, uh, Daring Greatly. Um, that was like part of this women, this um, book club that I got involved with um, through Sarah Jakes Roberts. Um, and, you know, that's been great. So I am reading those books and that's what I'm excited to slow down and do as well during this time is just to slow down and read and relax and have my cup of tea and my fuzzy socks. And I've gotten so much better about that over the years um, with practicing self-care and relaxing. I am a super hotel buff. Um, and so I just spent my last birthday um, 22 awesome hours because my husband had a meeting the next day. Um, at a at a hotel um, near UNC um, that is like a brand new hotel and they had like a suite. So we got their suite with their balcony. Um, I definitely believe in that, <laughs> just getting away in a change of scenery. So that's what was happening with me now in that regard. And my second question is, do you have perhaps a book or even a piece of music that was special for you at a certain time in your life? Something that you really remember fondly? I think um, it's funny because when I hear the lyrics for this song, my husband proposed to me on July 6th um, of 2012, because we were married August 17th of 2012, six weeks later. Don't ask. Um, like six weeks later, really a wedding in six weeks. Ridiculous. But true, Iran and Jason. And so when we were dating, um, somehow we got we started loving this song um, that that the the Ray Charles song. Um, I got a woman way over town who's good to me. And so from my husband, when he proposed to me, um, 
I, you know, I was in Chicago, living in Chicago at the time. I had moved there for a, a little bit to date him to see if we would get married. And he took me to Northwestern University to the place where you get to like see the stars and everything. And so he, I was up on the ladder. I was coming down. He asked the guy to take his phone and film it. It worked out perfect. And um, he proposed um, proposed to me and he sang, I got a woman. He sang that song for me. And when we first had our first date in, um, in New York, it came on. We were in like this Italian restaurant in downtown Brooklyn, like how random. And they're playing like all these other songs. And then all of a sudden you hear, well, I got a woman <laughs> way over time. That's good to me, right? And so I, I don't give him money. I don't. So that part of the song is not applicable, but that was our song. So, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that that was, yeah, that's, that's one of my favorite. And my last question is, do you have any books or any, any music that you would recommend for the listeners? Something that you absolutely love? Um, well, I have to be selfish and say my good life. Um, I think hopefully it's a book that can resonate with people, even who aren't parents of children with special needs, just as a just as a, a guide to how our own stories resonate. You know, it starts off with this event that happened when I was at Yale with Taylor and like should have been at the prime of my life because I was just graduated and something that happened there. And then that's the prologue. And then it just starts to talk about a little bit about our story. But um, a deliberate read, an easy read, and it ends with the story of my TEDx event. So I would love for people to check it out. Um, it's on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. And my website is mygoodlifebook.com. Um, so they can check it out there as well. Um, I personally think hopefully it's something that would resonate. And I would love to hear their feedback. It's been a journey and a great opportunity to be able to write it and share my story. And I'm hoping to uh, work or start working on my second book soon. Thank you so much, Irena. This has been absolutely wonderful. I mean, it has been beyond my expectations. It's absolutely great talking to you. And I really hope that we stay in touch. Uh, I'm sure there's still more I can learn from you. And uh, yeah, you never know. We might collaborate again together. Yes, we definitely have to collaborate. So please stay in touch. Thank you so much for everything. Thank you. That was episode 19, a conversation with Irena Ferguson. Irena is nothing short of inspirational. This conversation was so uplifting and so powerful, and I hope you enjoyed it. Her memoir, titled My Good Life, is available to purchase online. You'll find the link in the show notes. Do check it out if you want to learn more about her life raising a daughter with autism and deafness. You'll find in the show notes as well the link to Irena's TEDx talk that she gave back in 2018 while eight months pregnant. Her talk is titled My Good Life. I absolutely recommend you watch it and listen to Irena speak about why there should be a bridge between parents of special needs children and society to connect them to the good life. Thank you so much for tuning in today and listening to this new episode. I really appreciate you taking the time. If you like our show, do share it within your network and leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Make sure you also sign up for our newsletter so you can stay updated and informed about all our activities. And don't forget to check us out on Facebook at Narratives of Purpose, on Instagram at Narratives of Purpose underscore podcast, 
or on LinkedIn at Narratives of Purpose Podcast. Join me again next week for the third episode of our inclusion series theme. I will be speaking with a truly inspiring young man who is dedicated to destigmatize society's perception of handicap and blindness. Until then, take care of yourself, stay well, and stay inspired. This podcast was produced by Tom at Rustic Studios. 